Father. Lord Jesus, truly, Lord, there's nothing greater in our lives, Lord, than our love for you. Lord, for we love you because you first loved us, Lord. Because you called us, you chose us before the foundation of the world, Lord. That we could stand here on a day like today, in an age like this age, in a darkness, a gross darkness that's upon the earth, and walk in light. Lord, how we're so thankful, Lord, that you called us, Lord. So thankful, Father, you put your spirit within us, Lord. So thankful, Lord Jesus, that we could come and gather together with saints of like precious faith, Lord. To call on your name, Lord. To know that you answer us when we call. To know, Father, that your word is yea and it's amen, Lord. Father, not to be looking at a closed book, but an open book, Lord. Father, to know that all the seals have been revealed, Lord, and we can bask in the presence of the Son. Lord Jesus, we're so blessed, privileged, and honored, Lord, to be your bride. Father, we ask you come and take the preeminence in the service, Lord. Quiet in our spirits, Lord, that we could just receive from you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the service this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Brother Ed, Lord. Pray you restore his strength. Father, may you just be with us now this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, each one. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. I want to say welcome to Brother Mark. Amen. And, and then Sister Tina Stanky. God bless you from Arizona. It's a long drive and a short flight. Welcome. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Welcome to all the visitors. I've seen Sister Anna sneak in there. God bless you. Amen. You're not really a visitor, though. But uh, hey, let's take our Bibles together. Turn to the book of Joel. Joel, if you will, with me. Thank you, musicians. But John, God bless you. Amen. It's kind of a song that sticks in your head, isn't it? Falling in love with Jesus. We could sing an a cappella right now. Amen. Joel chapter 2, we'll read it from verse 12. It says, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn feast. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them, wherefore they should... they. Should they say among the people, where is their God? Amen. Let's just have our seats together, if you would. I'll remain standing, I suppose. But if you turn with me to the book of Psalms as well, Psalms chapter 34, we'll just turn over there before we uh, start. Uh, I want to continue on from the last time I spoke on uh, twins, twins' birth with twins pur- twin purposes, but... This, this, this evening I like to call it born of the tree of life, born of the tree of life, because the bride is not grafted into the tree of life. She comes from the vine, where he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, amen, and he talk about if this vine ever puts forth another branch, amen, it'll bear forth fruits like the original. We're not, we're not something that's grafted into Jesus Christ. We weren't taken from another tree and put here. But we came from, born of the tree of life. Amen. And I want to take Psalms chapter 34, familiar scripture that's repeated often in prayer, but verse 17 to 19. 
says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Amen. Amen. Now, maybe these two scriptures put together wouldn't seem like a very uh, uplifting or evangelistic Sunday evening service, but if you just bear with me long enough, I want to just draw your attention back into to Joel chapter 2. As it says in Joel 2 and 13, where we read, and rend your heart. If you, if you take that rending of your heart, it goes back to Psalms 34, where it says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such, as, such that are of a contrite spirit. And as Joel begins to call out, we love to go back toward the end of Joel chapter 2, and we love to look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And we love to look at those scriptures and talk about the wonderful revival and all the things that are poured out and the blessings of God and the Holy Spirit when it comes upon us. But it starts out in Joel before any of those things, and before even the restoration, it begins to talk about it this way. It says, your heart, not your garments. In other words, this, this mourning, this, this, this weeping, this time of, of fasting, this time of mourning, it's not a natural thing. This is a spiritual mourning. Rend your heart, not your clothes. This isn't a rend your clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, but rather this is an inward seeking, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I will in no wise cast out. Amen. Rather, there's something on the inside that's taking place, a, a sighing and a crying for the abominations that's done in the world. But rather it says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him. But it, but it begins to go on. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast. Now this fast, if I, if I can say it to you this way, this isn't exactly a fast. Zion was a representation of the bride. And, and this fast isn't necessarily a natural fast of abstaining from food, but rather abstain from the pleasures of the world. Sanctify a fast, a spiritual fast. Shut yourself off from the other influences of the world. Sanctify yourself and, and look wholly unto God and to Him alone in your spiritual realm. Don't be feeding on the things of the world, but sanctify yourself. Amen. And we know that even, even Joshua, we go back, it's been preached on many times that before they could cross over, he says, you need to sanctify yourself because tomorrow God's going to do a great thing in your midst. And here we're talking in Joel where we're coming to a place of restoration of Scripture. We're coming to a place where he says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But first he comes to a place, he says, first you need to sanctify yourself, fast from all the things of the flesh, get it out of your mind, get it out of your spirit, and then just Turn wholly unto the Lord. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is merciful and he is gracious. But blow the trumpet in Zion. Call a solemn assembly. And it begins to gather the people. It says, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. In other words, this isn't a time for excuses. Well, I've got a new baby and I can't really come. He says, no, come, gather the people together. No matter what walk of life, no matter what stage you are. He says, even call the bridegroom out of his chamber. Call the bride out of her closet. Even if they're getting ready for a marriage and they're having a great time in their own life. This is of more importance than anything else in life that's going on. Amen. When God is fixing to move, we ought to give it our utmost attention. We ought to be so born into Christ and of the tree of life that when the tree of life begins to push forth, there's something in us that says, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of the moving of God. Whatever he's doing, I want to be in it. And I don't want to be off on my own little side tantrum, my own little side quest, if I could call it that. Doing my own little thing and then got my own little desires going on. But rather, Lord, I don't want to have to say, well, I bought myself a piece of land. Or I bought some cocks and I need to go try it. Or I married me a wife and I need to take her on a honeymoon. Those things ought to be of no importance in comparison to the Word of God. In comparison to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it goes right down and says, let the priests, let the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. I love the way the word is written. It's always written very specific. Let them reap in a certain place in the tabernacle. Let them weep between the porch and the altar. If I could bring it out to you this way, it would talk about let them weep between the law and the sacrifice. 
Let them weep between the judgments of God and the sacrifice of God. We're living in a time when the judgments of God's wrath are belching over. Brother Branham would prophesy in choosing of the bride and he would use these words exactly where he would say, the wrath of God is belching beneath you. And we know that those things that it is, it is belching out and then the wrath of God, we see what's going on in the world today and then the fires and in the, the hurricanes and in the tornadoes and in the floods and in the rain and all of these things that's going on. Why? Because the wrath of God is beginning to spill over into a world that, that there's been disasters and all kinds of natural disasters in diverse places. Places we, 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 we thought maybe we were more safe here in Alberta, but fires ripping through constantly year after year after year. What's going on? Sin has taken control. Amen. But we ought to be looking at something other than the sin that's in the world. It ought to cause us as a bride of Christ to look up, to behold our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Amen. I'd really like to not have to slow down, but if I need to, that's okay. But just stay with me. Are you with me tonight? Amen. 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 And he says to the priests, let them stand between the porch and the sacrifice and the altar, sighing and crying for the abominations done in the world. We've never lived in a day quite like this day. Well, I'll say it this way, the sacrifice has all but been spit on. What Christ has done on the cross has all but been made fun of in every way possible. Mocked and all kinds of things. And they've crucified him over and over again in their own minds. The world today has no respects. Even Christianity today, Christians, people naming the name of Christ and living in the, the utmost of sin. To the point where I've even been asked, what does it even mean to be a Christian? Because, you know, I got Christian friends and they drink, they smoke, they gamble, they party, they do, do this, they carouse, they commit adultery and fornication, all these things. What's a Christian anyways? That's not Christianity. But that's walking in a, with hobnail shoes where angels would fear to trod. But we're living in that kind of an age where Joel begins to call it together to say we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need a closer walk with God. We need a fresh revival. The bride ought to be in revival every day. This is the bride's revival. The bride's revival isn't just jumping up and down and dancing and screaming. It's, it's, it's the word of God being made manifested, taking on flesh, gives us new life every day. Amen. Because there's something within us that's yearning and groaning and, 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 and is desiring to be translated from this world into the next. Amen. Because we want to see Jesus more than anything else. But this world is a world of extreme contrast. We're, 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 the more though that the world goes into sin, the closer we are to cling to Christ. The further they go into debauchery, the more they seek their style of body change, we ought to seek ours. We ought not to be worried about these things. It's so easy and Satan would desire if he can't get you to get caught up in one of the movements of the world. He'll try and push you the other way and give you a wrong attitude towards something to try and look down on somebody to try and say, oh, they're just they're lost and there's no hope. God can save someone from the deepest clutches of hell and pull them back out and make a Christian of them. But we ought to be a Christian and love like Christ loved the world and gave his life for it. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who are we to come down and say, well, I condemn it. No. God so loved it. So let the love of God so shine through me that someone else could be led to Christ. That someone else could be saved. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. There's a reason some churches that are very legalistic, I'm not talking about message churches, I'm talking about some secular churches that are very legalistic on their standards. Their growth rate is the same as their birth rate. As families naturally grow, the church naturally grows. There's no souls being saved because there's no life. I'm not interested in a church like that. I'm interested in something that's got life behind it. That causes people to change. I'm a full believer. Come as you are, but don't leave the same. Amen. Let the Spirit of God change you. Grip you. Get into your soul. Change the inner recesses of your heart. Hallelujah. Oh, my. But it's seed time. We're in seed time again. In other words, the plant that was planted has come to maturity. 
And I'll say it's coming to maturity. The season for the ripening of the grain. There's two trees we know that were planted in that were there in, in metaphorically in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they came up to a place, to a place of maturity when it came to Jesus Christ on, in flesh. And it came through Judas. But we know as Brother Brandon would talk about that tree of life, the Romans, they cut it down. But it's been restored back again. Amen. It's the bride tree now. And, and it's, it's still Christ is the vine. We are the branches. We are not the vine. We are not the redeemer. We are not the life. It's his life in us. It's him that redeemed us. We're the ones that bear the fruit. We're the female designation. Amen. The, ma- the female doesn't bear any children of her own. She needs the male seed in order to produce the, ch- the ch- child. But there has to be a gestation period in which the seed just comes into the woman and she begins to produce something within herself. But it's not her own life. It came from her mate. Amen. It's not our own life within our hearts that's turning and that's gestating and that's coming to maturity. It's not us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. So that something could be birthed out that would again be Christ in flesh. Oh, my. And I'll say the tree of knowledge of good and evil is coming to seed time as well. To produce an end time bride for Lucifer. Yeah. That's what it's coming to. Satan's Eden. Quite a declaration in a simple two-word title there. Satan's Eden. He wants, he desires to have his own Eve. To have his own bride. His own mother of all his death. Something that would come from her, from her that would be his life, which just produces death. Because he can't produce life. But as it comes to maturity, the bride tree is also coming to a perfect maturity, laying in the presence of the SON. Brother Brennan would say it this way. He says, but the evening light shall rise in the west. He says, what for? To shine upon the word. Not this word. This word. Not to shine upon pages but to ripen the word that's become flesh. To ripen the seed that's been put in the soil. To bring it to a place of maturity. To bring forth the bride tree with the same signs, the same wonders, the same fruits that they had in the beginning. It shall be light in the evening time. Oh, the word will then bring forth its fruit in its season. It shall not wither, but it'll bring forth its fruit, David said, in its season. Amen. Same fruit it had at the beginning. Now, with his word in his predestinated stage, as he's got it now, and we see these words all being manifested, what is it? It's a perfect vindication that the coming of the Lord is at hand. At the time when he said, I will restore, saith the Lord, all them cankerworms, all the Methodists left, all the caterpillars eaten, and all that they'd ever done till they stripped it down, but I will restore it in the evening time. Amen. Amen. So he begins to talk about, he says, listen, in the bride tree coming back with the same signs, the same wonders, the same fruits that they had at the beginning. Amen. Now, I just want to take this for a moment where Brother Brandon would talk about in, in... Trying to do God a service without it being his will. He talks about five things it has to be. He starts out in this quote. He says, well, 40 years ago, now it's been a lot longer than that, but 40 years ago, he says, Pentecost fell. He says, but that's not what he's doing today. See, it must be timely. We have to come through Pentecost, but that's not the end goal. That's not what he's trying to produce today. There was a season for that. It must be according to the scripture. It must be in season. He says, secondly, thirdly, it must be according to the way God's word spoke it to be. You say, oh, glory to God, the Holy Ghost fell on me just like it did on the day of Pentecost. But that might be different today. It fell on David too, didn't it? Sure it did. It fell on Uzziah, but it was wrong. I'm I'm quoting a quote here, so you just bear with me. He says, see, you got to go deeper than that now. Say, well, David, he lived this way, yeah, and he fell and he committed adultery. He says, it's got to go deeper than that now. 
Uzziah, he had lived a godly life and did all these wonderful things and was a godly king, his kingdom second to Solomon's. But what happened to him, he got out of his place. He said, that's not the Holy Ghost we're seeking now. It's got to go deeper than that now. He said, oh, the Holy Ghost fell on me from the quote, just like it did on the day of Pentecost. Praise God, hallelujah. Well, that's wonderful, but it has to go deeper than that now. See, you got to go deeper than that now. Don't you feel hurt? That's, That's what he says. He says, don't you feel hurt? Just be reverent. Call a solemn assembly. Sanctify a fast. Just be reverent. He says, and notice, and it also must come to the man of God's choosing. Not a denominational choosing, not a people choosing, but according to God's choosing. If it isn't a message, it's a a turn here in the quote here. If it isn't a message from God of a great revelation from God, it must come to his prophet. Hallelujah. That's why he says, say what's on the tapes. Why does he say that? Because we can't go outside and say, well, I got a great revelation. No, it's got to come to his prophet. The vessel of his choosing. And the ministry now takes that great revelation and does what with it? unfolds it to you so you can receive it in a greater depth in a greater depth in a greater depth in a greater depth it's not a new revelation we're preaching the same thing he preached hallelujah he says if it's he says now if you want a scripture for that he says go to Amos 3 7 surely the spirit of the Lord will do nothing except to reveal it first to his servants the prophets He says, now, these five things it must be. When God's fixing to do something, he says, these five things. It must be in season. It must be at the time that God said it would be. It must be written in the word of God. It must be in the seasons of God's timing. And it must be by God's choosing. God won't break that. He doesn't go outside of that. He stays right with that. Let me pick, I'm sorry to pick so much up at once, but let me pick something else up before we carry on that thought. We're going to come back to that, so hold that in your mind. But Jesus, Brother Branham says, lived in a world, message, perfect faith. Jesus lived in a world that no one knew, knowed about. He was an odd person. He lived in a world of perfect faith in the perfect God in which he was. If we lived in the perfect faith of a Christian to what we are, we'd be a mystic to the world. I could take that statement right there and just explain it to you this way. Stop trying to explain your faith to everybody. You're a mystic to the world. They're not going to understand it. When your boss looks at you and says, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Why do you got to be in church? Listen, don't worry about it. You should be too. I don't have to explain it to you. Why do you got to wear skirts? The uniform is, I don't have to explain it to you. It's what God showed me in his word. That's simple enough. See, that's where Eve got wrong. When she started to reason with the serpent on the word. It wasn't right away. When he started, when the, the beginning of her wrong was when she started to reason with it. She should have just said, the Lord said this. Now, serpent, you ought not to be able to talk. <laughs> you can close your mouth now. You don't need to say any more about the word of God. Because I'm the daughter of God, and I just told you what the Lord said. That settled it. But he started to talk back again. And she had the bright idea of talking back again. Listen, he said, well, Belanger was a serpent. No, the serpent could talk back then. You with me? The only difference between a human and a serpent in that time was he didn't have a soul. You with me? All right. It's okay, I'm not expecting you to jump up and say, praise God. No, it's, it's all right. Amen. God bless you, Brother Martin. Sister Marjorie, by the way. God bless you. It says he lived in the world. If, if we could live in a world of perfect faith, of a Christian, of what we are, we'd be a mystic to the world. People wouldn't understand you. You'd walk right in the Spirit. And what the Spirit said, you would do. Amen. If it forbid it, you would not do it. Amen. That's the way Christ was. He said, I do nothing except the Father shows me first. He says, then the people, he says, oh. He says, that's the way it is with all believers. They're a mystic. People don't understand because they live in a world 
to themselves. Jesus lived in a world that nobody else could touch. The disciples couldn't understand him. When he spoke to them, and they, they, they say this, they said, why you talk to us in riddles? We don't understand this. How can this be? See, they wasn't in the world that he lived in at that time. But there came a time when they got into that world, and then they understood the riddles. What to them before was riddles, and they said, oh, now I understand it. Jesus in John 14, 15, 16 lifted them up a little bit higher to show them a little bit in the world, to speak to them plainly, as he said, oh, now you speak to us plainly, now we understand, but they didn't really have the full revelation until the Holy Ghost came in, then they understood. Amen. Amen. So it says, why you talked to us a riddle? How they didn't live in the world he lived in? He says, but they couldn't understand him. Nobody could understand him. So then when a man lives by faith and walks by faith, I mean substance faith. He is isolated from the entire world and becomes a new creature in Christ. Oh my, we're not going to get to the new creature yet tonight. I don't think I'm going to get there. But, but, but he's isolated from the whole world. If we look at it in this way, it's not that you don't go to work anymore. It's not that you don't have to wake up and eat in the morning. And you don't have to get up and you have to brush your teeth. And you have to make your bed. And you have to go to work. And you have to come home. And you have to take care of the families. And pay the bills. And do all these things. You have to do all those things. But rather that those things no longer have an, a bearing or an effect on your walk with God. Those things no longer have a bearing or an effect on your attitude, on how you feel in the day. Why? Because there's something, we're walking in a different world. Amen. Amen. You're walking in another place where they don't know nothing about. Jesus, he had to pay the taxes, but what did he do? He didn't worry about, okay, all right, guys, we got to put out some ads and go get a job now because the taxes are due. No, he said, Simon, you've been carrying that hook around in your pocket all this time. Go put it in the water, and the first fish you catch, go take the coin out of its mouth, and that'll pay the taxes for you and me. He was walking in a different world. He wasn't thinking business-minded of we better start a fishing business. Peter, remember that miracle we did where we filled the boat up with fish? We should do that again. That'll make enough money. No, it wasn't about that at all. He was walking in another world where he said the father that time said fill the boat with fish. But the father this time said go catch a fish. He's got a coin in his mouth. Hallelujah. It was enough for him. He healed multiple people with blind eyes. One, he put mud in their eyes. The other one, he just put his hand over his eyes. The next one, he put his hand over his eyes, and he put his hand over his eyes again to give him understanding. Why? Because he was doing what the Father was showing him to do. He was walking in a different world. Hallelujah. Can I, can I just drop something in here? Maybe it's be Brother Andrew. Why did he tell people, Jairus and his wife, and her daughter, Peter, James, and John, don't tell nobody what happened here. I don't believe it was because he didn't want the fame going about or not getting them to, you know, not, not get attention themselves. It's because they didn't understand at that time what really happened. And they would have got it mixed up. It had to take a revelation to understand how God could raise the dead by faith. Because let me tell you, the law that they were living under, we can back that up. The law that they were living under, had they gone out of there and said, oh, he touched my dead daughter. He what? He touched a dead person? He's unclean. Did he do the rituals to cleanse himself? Well, no, he didn't. Oh, now there's doubt in their mind. Because now the law says, and I, this said, and I, 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 wait till it's revelation. He said, wait till revelation comes. Then you can go tell everybody what's going on here. Oh my, he says, listen, when a man lives by faith and walks by faith, I mean substance faith, he's so isolated from the entire world and becomes a new creature in, in Christ. He says, now you're getting into bride material. See, now you're getting into rapturing condition now. That means that each one of us, not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just the trustees, that means for the laity, every individual walks in a world with God alone. You're baptized into this kingdom by one spirit, we're all baptized. 
And there's nobody in there but you and God. Oh, praise God. You say, but so-and-so said, well, why'd you let them in your world? The way God designed it, it was you and God. You got to let the other voices in. Oh, oh my. See, he gives the orders. You pack them out. He plants the seed. You bear the fruit. Whatever he says, there's not a shadow of doubt nowhere. You walk right on. If the Lord says this, there ain't nobody in the world that's going to talk you out of it. You just go right on just the same. And you're coming into perfect faith. It says now you're coming into perfect faith. Perfect perfection that cannot fail. If I can say it this way, perfect maturity. The Bible uses the word perfection as maturity. Perfect perfection, perfect maturity. You won't fail then. If these things, Peter would say, be in you and abound, you shall neither be unfruitful. You will not fall. It says the faith never fails. I'm just, I said I didn't want to slow down, but now I've slowed down. Look at that, triple my own words. It says that faith never fails. Yes, he was a mystic to them with his perfect faith. And so is it now when those who have perfect faith are a mystic to the others. I want to just take this, this thought and just bear on it a little bit longer. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You don't have to turn to it. I'm pretty sure the Sunday school children could even quote it to me. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So it begins to describe this. The fruit that the Spirit of God, the life of God will bear in your life is love and joy and peace and faith. Faith is a fruit that comes out of it. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Peter, I quoted it briefly, but it says, Peter would say, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. If these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is the foundation of the stature of a perfect man. Faith is also the fruit of the Spirit. Faith brings the life, and life brings a greater faith. You believe until God recognizes your faith and fills you with the Holy Ghost, the life. Faith brings the life, but the life brings a greater faith. Then it's not your faith, it's his faith. The faith that starts out is your faith, a mental faith. But when the life comes in, it brings his faith. Then you're coming to a place. Oh my, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice now, also from the message perfect faith, is notice now, he says, perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. It doesn't just say faith is a master of all circumstances. Perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. No matter what it is, it masters it. Now just watch. When you believe anything or do anything and you've got faith in what you're doing, no matter what the circumstance is, that don't have one thing to do with it. See, it masters that circumstances. If it's, if it's a room full of sickness... There you go, nurses, doctors in here. If it's a room full of sickness, faith masters that circumstance. Perfect faith. And the Lord's revealed that this certain thing's going to happen, you just speak it and go on. If it's a room full of sickness, the Lord reveals to you something's going to happen, just go on. Just speak it. Go on. Don't worry about it. 
Just don't ask any, any questions. It's already over. Just keep going. See, it masters all circumstances. Well, if you do this, you're so-and-so, you're going to do that. Oh, you see, it's already got it mastered. See, faith believes that God will work it out. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, my, I remember just, just reading a, a quote. It was it last night, I think, Devotions with the Children. And a, a sister that came up for prayer, and Brother Branham, he's a, through, the, through the gift of the sermon, he to talk to her, and he to say, you've got... Sees a vision. Says, "Oh, I see. You had a car accident about four. I think it's about four years ago. And your knees. You can't move your knees. Her knees were just stuck." And she said, "I, I haven't kneeled in four years. She had surgery on them, all kinds of things. They're all calloused over." He says, "You're healed." She says, "She just begins to worship." He says, "Why don't you go down to the altar and, and kneel down and pray?" She says, "Well, let me kneel right where I've been healed." And she just kneels down right there and starts to give glory to God. It's that simple. It's that simple. It wasn't a great big prayer. You say, oh, Brother Andrew, he's seen a vision. All right. All right. Brother Paul, how you doing? Doing good. Are you, you got food at home in your closet? In your, in your, in your pantry? Yeah? Show me. But if you go home right now, you're, you're satisfied you can get something to eat, right? But that's faith. He can't see the food right now, but he knows you put it in there. He's got faith it's still there when he gets home. And if something, God forbid, something were to happen, he's got faith, I got a bank account, I'll go buy more of it. And if that's empty, I got a credit card, I'll go buy more of it. <laughs> Why? Because he's got faith. He's saying, hey, it's simple faith. The Brown says, if you got the quarter to go buy the bread, he says, it's just as good potentially you have the bread because you've got the quarter to buy the bread. You're not worried about getting to the store and all of a sudden, oh, everything's out. No, you've got, you've got, potentially, you've got the bread. That's simple faith. We're not worried about where our next meal is going to come from. Amen. And it's not because, oh, we live in North America. No, it's because there's a faith. That, that because of where we live, that we live in a land of plenty, that we're not going to run out of food. That's why it's such a shock when COVID happened and you went to the store and there was no toilet paper. And it was such a shock to the system. It was like, well, how is it possible? We live in North America. How is somebody sold out of something? Because that's where our faith dwells. We just know that it'll be there. When I need it, it'll be there. But it'll take it to a whole nother level. We got brothers and sisters over in third world countries that they have faith that they don't live in a land of plenty. But I've talked to them many a times and they're not worried about where their next meal is coming from because they believe that when they get hungry, God's going to give them food and they're going to be okay. They just keep pressing on one day after another after another and God keeps providing for them one way or another. Amen. And we thank God for that. Maybe one day we'll have to live for that. God forbid, eh? But yeah, maybe one day we will. But you know what? Let's have faith. The same faith that we have is the same faith that they have. Perfect faith masters all circumstances. Faith believes that God will work it out. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it anyhow. See, it masters all circumstances. The faith and love, and faith and love is relation because you can't have faith unless you got love. Because your faith is in God, who is the very essence of love. Faith and love works together. Amen. It just jumped down a few paragraphs. He says, and if you love the Lord, not just not trying to dodge hell. If you love the Lord, then you have faith in God. If you love him. Amen. You can't help it. Faith isn't something that you're trying to help. It just happens because you're in a love relationship with God. Amen. When we were sinners, alienated without God in the world, in that muck of mud, as I talked about this morning, Brother Brown, I'm speaking. He says, God, come to us. God sought you. You never sought God. No man can come to me except the Father draws him first. And when God came down in that muck to where you were and sought you out and brought you out, he says, that ought to bring a perfect love. 
Praise be to God. Sometimes we're looking for too many fantastics. Looking for too many wonderful gifts and signs and all these things. When he says, what ought to bring perfect love? The fact that God came to the mud hole that you and I were stuck in and pulled us out and brought us unto himself and sought us and called us before the foundation of the world. Oh, think about it for a minute. The disciples, they came back rejoicing because the devils were subject to them. Sorry, God's just been dealing with me on this for a while. I was talking to Bill John about it a bit. But we got too much of that in the message. Too much dancing over devils. And it seems that becomes our source of joy. The devil's subject to me. Glory be to God, I'm somebody. You ain't nobody. And neither am I. He says, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not saying that casting out devils doesn't bring a form of joy. Oh, it does bring a form of joy, and it's wonderful. But it wasn't any human being that ever casted a devil. It was God that casted out the devil. It was the finger of God that moved on behalf of your prayer. Because you believed in God, and he moved on your behalf, the devil has to leave because he has to listen to God. Praise be to God. All right, that was a side note for you. It ought to bring perfect love. Look what you was. Look what you are. What did that? Somebody that loves you. Can't you have faith in what he promised you? Then real genuine love will create a confidence in the word. Real, genuine love for God will create a confidence in the Word. He says in John chapter 15, you can go ahead and put this up there. Brother Jonathan, verse 1. says, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit be taken away. He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Oh, praise be to God. That ought to just be our focus. Let the love of God so shine through us. Bear the fruit of God. What's it going to bring, Brother Andrew? More trials. Amen. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> That's what it's going to bring. Why? Because he purgeth it. So that it can bring forth more fruit. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. I read a quote the other day. Problem is, I think it was from you, Brother Philip, we're not laden down enough. We got the wagon riding down the road and it's empty. There's no fruit in it. It's bouncing and squeaking and jerking and hollering. And Brother Brown says, the problem is, we're not loaded down enough. Not loaded with the world, loaded with the fruit. A bow that's just loaded and used to just. Bow its head down. Hallelujah. A, a bow that's bearing a lot of fruit is reverent and holy and bowing down to God. One that ain't got much fruit on it, it's straight up and down and it's waving around going, look at me, look at me. Oh, but one that's got a lot of fruit in his life, he's bowed down and God is moving in his life. He's humble and he's meek. Hallelujah. He can't help it. It's coming out of him. It's the life that's in him that's just pushing out the fruit. Praise be to God. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. There you go. There it is. Accept it. Abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do almost everything. Nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather him, gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, 
and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, if you have faith in him, and his life is in you, the word abides in you, you shall ask whatever you will. A place of perfect faith. And it shall be done. Whatever I will, yeah. I always marvel. I get questions. Forgive me, young people. I get questions from young people sometimes. Well, Brother Andrew, if I ask for a Lamborghini, brother, his word is not abiding in you if that's what's on your mind. Get his word in you. And you'll have the right desire. When is your name as good on the check as his name? At adoption. Not as a little baby. Just newly born again. But when you come to a place of adoption. When he says, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. That's as far as he went at the River Jordan. But now when it came to Mount Transfiguration. He said, hear ye him. Hallelujah. How am I doing? We've got 10 more minutes. You with me still? Hidden life with Christ. He says, that's the real Christian. The real Christian life consists of not how well you can do this or how well you can sing. That's all right. Or how well you can preach. Praise God, it doesn't rely on that. He says, that's fine. He says, but that isn't it. It's a hidden life. Consecrated. Amen. Consecrated. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. A hidden life. Consecrated. The veil, the curtain dropped around you. And you're dead. And you're buried. You're hidden God through Christ. And sealed in there by the Holy Ghost. The devil can't get you to get to you. He can't do it. He has to come through the same process you did. And if he did come through that process, he'd be your brother then. So he can't do that. Oh my, he can't come through that. And as I've said before, I'll say it again. I would love to be able to call him brother. I would. I'd love for him to have to come through that same process and then I wouldn't have an accuser anymore. (laughs) There wouldn't be no devil no more. Praise be to God. We'd be in eternity. We wouldn't have to worry about that no more. But he can't come that way. There's no place of repentance for him. He can't come that way. But he says in in another message, same message, hidden life, he says, and a man or a woman that's living in the holiest of holies. Let me say it this way, I've got to practice. Not just a visitor. Not just a once a week, twice a week, three times a week. Living in the holiest of holies of God is living in the grace and power and the resurrection of Christ day and night all the time. He says, don't you want to live there? That's the place. That's the place. That's where the outside world, you don't even hear it. You don't even hear it. Oh, but Brother Andrew, didn't you hear him? No, I didn't. Didn't you hear Brother so-and-so? No, I didn't. Well, I just told you yesterday. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Sorry, I wasn't listening to the murmur. I wasn't listening to the complaint. I wasn't listening to everything going on. I was listening to the word of God. It says, by his stripes, I'm healed and he's healed. Amen. By the salvation of the cross. That's my salvation. That's his salvation. Amen. Oh, my. We're just going real slow tonight. I really thought this would go differently. You don't even hear it. Curtain drops around. Oh, someone say, oh, didn't you hear Miss Jones, Jones and what the pastor done? Didn't you know what the pastor done? He said, oh, I didn't even hear it. Oh, what the pastor done? Well, that's up to him. What Mrs. Jones done, that's up to her. But what I do is up to me and Christ. Why? Because who's in there? Me and Christ alone. Amen. As soon as you let another opinion in there, why don't you come in, brother? Tell me your opinion. Me and Christ alone. Hallelujah. All right, we're moving on. Remember, it says back to perfect faith. He says, we are taught, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Now, resist is just simply turn him down. Oh, my. Just turn him down. Just resist him. Just walk away from it. 
God said a certain thing, no matter what he's trying to tell you, you don't even listen to him. Your ears are deaf to anything else but what the Spirit says. See? He that hath an ear that listens, see what the Spirit saith to the churches. The one that's got the listening post that catches what the Spirit says to the churches, see what Satan says, well, I just can't. He says, you don't have nothing to do with that. Well, if you teach that, the denomination will put you out. That don't have nothing to do with it. It goes right on just the same. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, the Bible says it's constantly saying to him that has faith. He that has an ear, let him hear. He says, that he that has wisdom, let him count the numbers of the, of the beast and all the, these different things. He says, he that has, let him tell the rest of them and the others that they might have it too. He says, that's by, that's the, and that's by faith we're talking about now. Faith that you've got to have, that perfect faith, that faith that says yes. There's nothing can say no when God says yes. When he says yes, it's yes. And nothing else can ever take it from you. Now, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But yet, on our reasoning, gets in the way. So many times, when God says yes, it's yes. When he says, I'm the Lord thy God that heals all thy sicknesses and diseases, it's yes. Not well, not mine. No, it's yes. Amen. It's simple as that. Simple faith. He says, with his perfect faith, he was very, Jesus was very strange. He says, and the devil didn't stay around him very long. He, oh my, he says, when he come with that great big buffeting and intellectual conception, he bluffed up against Jesus when he come and he found out he hit a 10,000 volt line that throwed him right back again. He said, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone. Whoo, he got a shock then. Amen. If we just would take God at his word, the devil can't stick around very long. But the reason the devil liked to stick around Eve was because she began to talk back with him and reason with the word instead of just staying with the word and said, this is what God said, so it's simple enough for me. Hallelujah. Oh my, but it's also written, amen. Right when two trees come to maturity, they come to a challenge one to the other. That's the way it was with Jesus when he come right to that place. He come to a temptation, three temptations, but each one he defeated. As it is written, as it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. He, he, he came back at the devil who was quoting the word with the word. Oh my. We need the whole word. Not just a part of it. Not just a quote over here and a scripture over here. And we'll put together our own little pet doctor. And this is the way we got. Oh, the devil loves that. Because he knows the word better than I do. He knows the message better than I do. And he can put it together in such a way and twist your mind. But if you say, well, listen, but I got something else over here. It's also written. But it's also written. Oh, my. Right when you're tempted to just stay home and just stream and you're tired. But it's also written, not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Right when the doctors and medicines have become so sophisticated in our day and age, the temptation today is to just run to them as quickly as possible. They've got all the answers, and we don't even seek God anymore, but it is also written, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all of thy diseases. Amen. We're too quick to pull up our own gospel and say, this is the way I'm living. But it is written. Oh, right when it seems time to give in. Maybe there's somebody here this way tonight. It seems time to give in, and I've made too many mistakes, Brother Andrew, and I, I got too many evil thoughts and evil things to really be saved. But let me tell you, it's also written, but God, who is rich in mercy, by this great love wherewith he loved us, even as when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us unto, together unto Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together to be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, that's how you defeat the devil. It is also written, God hath said, and so shall it be. Amen, right when it seems like, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. Maybe I'll just press play and it's okay. But it's also written, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets that show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, it would deceive the very elect. Right when it seems like so many are leaving, friends to the left and to the right are turning their back on the truth. 
let me encourage you, it is also written. A thousand may fall by thy side. Ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Right, when you feel like you've been tricked. Maybe you'll be sick. Maybe the doctor gives you a bad report. and Oh, it's all, it's, all, it's all gone. Maybe you feel your prayer isn't powerful enough to cast out the devils anymore. But let me tell you, it's also written. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And they, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. You might be feeling tonight like I'll never break free from this trial. Brother Andrew, I've been going around the... Around and around the grindstone with this. Satan has me going around like he had Samson for so long. But let me tell you, it's also written. That we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might feel tonight, I don't know if I'm really going to be there. Brother, I've come so far. It seems like my walk has just come. It's just stagnant. It hasn't gone any further. This is, just, this is all God has for me. But let me tell you, it's also written. Whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and he wouldn't leave you there. Them who he called, he justified, and he won't leave you there. Them who he justified, he has also glorified. Hallelujah. He won't leave you in a halfway work. Don't let the devil try and feed you that lie and say, this is all God's got for you. This is all the fruit you'll ever bear. Praise God you flowered. You budded. Praise God you had a little tiny fruit and it fell off. Press in. Oh, Brother Andrew, you just don't understand what I'm up against. Every demon in hell is up against me. And I can show you in the scripture and the message where every demon in hell is against me. But it is also written. What shall we say then to these things if God before us? Who shall be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up to us for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is God that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God also maketh intercession for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress? We just got to remind the enemy sometimes. It is also written. You might have me tricked for a season or for a time, but there's coming a revelation. It is also written. Oh, you say, Brother Andrew, there's a scripture that scares me sometimes. Peter writes and he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. I'm scared. And I know the next verse says, Whom resist ye steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I don't know if I can do it, but it is also written in the book of Revelations. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Let me tell you, it never was you holding on to God. It's always been God holding on to you. So let go. Let God hold on to you. The word is right every time. And I just give you one more quote. The word is right every time. We need to change our thinking to line up with the faith that's been revealed to us. Amen. It isn't the man that prays for you that makes you healed. It isn't the right atmosphere that gives you your healing. Just, if, if just brother so-and-so here, if we just had a prayer line, if, just, if the atmosphere was just right, if he said just the right words, then I know I'm going to be healed. That ain't got one thing to do with it. It's the word of God and your faith in the promise that brings the healing. Whether 
Brother Branham laid hands on you? Or the little sister that met you out there and said, can I pray for your baby? It's your faith. This is a quote. Brother Branham says, there's no better class of people in the world than those who keep God's word. That's the best. Then he, makes, he takes it even further. He says, that's the only class that God looks at. Just a little while, and maybe God will let us get into it. I believe we're in there. His, Satan's kingdom, can promise nothing but death. That's all he has. He's the author of death. He can promise lies because he's the father of lies. But he can't give you life. He can't give you heaven. He has no heaven to give you. Think of it. One word. To disbelieve God through a promise of the devil or his machinery. Why did Brother Branham just put words in there that is so good? To believe a lie. To disbelieve God through a promise of the devil or his machinery. One word sends you into torment. That's the way it started. And if God, in his mercy, as he is, would send, his, would send this mass of hell upon the earth and cause little hungry children, all kinds of affliction, starving people, death in the earth, because one word, at the beginning, could not he have looked it over and stepped just, oh, just stopped all those things, all the massive suffering? Could he not have done it? But if he didn't excuse one word there, knowing that this would be the results, how much more will he not excuse one word? One word there when the individual is going to be the sufferer alone who disbelieves. It's you and God, whether you believe or disbelieve. If you disbelieve one word, it's you and you alone that does the suffering now. Because Christ came and made a sacrifice that all would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But to disbelieve upon him, you bring yourself into suffering, into torment. Just think of it. It's a tremendous thing. Now when Adam and Eve listened to the lie of the devil, the holy image of God left them. Their fellowship was broken with God the fellowship of oneness with God was broken. The very minute they listened to the lie of the devil, that broke their fellowship. And the very minute that you listen to the lie of the devil, it'll break your fellowship. That's the very minute you go out from the presence of God like she did, is when you fail to take God's word just as it is. I just want to balance that. I could read a bunch of more quotes to balance that, but I will take it very quick for time. Because you could take it that way and say, that's it. If I disbelieve, I'm lost. No. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, to repent of that one, to turn back to God, <laughs> call a solemn, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Turn your heart, rend your heart, a broken and a contrite heart, I will in no wise cast out. Because it's blood sacrifice that we can come before God and say, Lord, all I have to present to you is the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not worthy, but I've got the blood to put before me to say, Lord, because of that blood, I can enter boldly into your presence, back into the presence of God and know that though I once disbelieved, I now believe. Amen. I want to say it this way. Let's not look at, let's not take a, a legalistic viewpoint on that quote. Say, so, yeah. We need to just be more rigid and make sure we don't break any letters of the law. No. It's a fellowship of love. A love relationship brings you into perfect, rapturing faith. To believe every word just the way it is. Take his word 
over our situations, over our circumstances, over our feelings, over our imaginations. Bringing our spirit, our memory, our conscience, our affections, our imaginations, our reasonings into a place of love with the word. To become a a love prisoner, a love slave to Christ. Hallelujah. I have to end there. I I don't have time to carry on. A few musicians come. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says it this way. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Amen. There was a quote shared this afternoon on the youth chat. I thought it was really good for this evening's service about being a prisoner. But be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There's some things there that we ought to be rejoicing about. (laughs) That he brought life and immortality to light. When before under the law, it was death, 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 death. Break a law, have a sacrifice, break it the second time. There ain't nothing left for you, sorry. Oh my. But now he says, I brought life and immortality to light. So you could walk in the light as he is in the light. Let's stand to our feet. Why don't we sing that simple course together? Let me walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin.